Happy Wednesday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I uh, I've got Frank back in the office. Believe it or not, he uh, helped my football coach yesterday get a deer. I wasn't there for that, but uh, Frank is back. But he's not joining us on this podcast because he's so far behind. Um, but I've got. Uh, more or less a uh, new friend. I uh, met you not too long ago, um, just conversing about uh, traditional archery. Dusty from Striker Boson, man, thank you for, for joining in. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think uh, our first conversation was uh, back in January. I think it was about a, a week after I got back from ACA. You actually just called, you know, just as a customer, so to speak, and we talked for, I don't know, probably at least 45 minutes just about bows and setups and at the very end you just ask you know hey do you guys ever do anything with uh with industry you know industry people or relationships and i was like yeah absolutely and then and he told me who you were so that's to me that was pretty awesome because you know we get so many calls or or start relationships with them the first thing they tell me is hey this is who i am and you know for you to just talk and and um you know, talk about product and traditional bows in general. That was pretty cool of you. So I know uh, we started off on the right right steps. Super interested in that RK1. The only thing I was worried mm-hmm. about is I got so much shit from shooting an aluminum riser before. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, you man. got you you sent me one of those. It was a little. I th- mm-hmm. it was kind of a rush deal. You had um, yeah. one sitting there that I could try and. Uh, mm-hmm. The and it was a little bit lower poundage, but I, I have to say the um that was uh probably you ended up sending another one later on. So the first one yeah. I liked, but I didn't obviously have a exact comparison because it was I think it was closer to like maybe forty eight pounds, forty six pounds. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a sixty inch. But that has to be a big seller for you, and I'm not saying this because you're on. Yeah. Um, no. That bow is badass. Um, in, no, thanks, in, in multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who may have just heard about us or people have known us for a while. Um, we've actually been in business for uh, 21 years. Uh, my dad started everything in our garage. Um, well, I'm 31 now, so it was when I was in sixth grade. He just had this crazy idea. I'm going to try to build my own bow and, and uh, try to get a uh, harvest a deer with it. And, you know, it all started from there. And, and the RK1 was really just a, a combination of all those years of, of the models changing and changing and changing. And um, we'd always talked about doing something aluminum, but uh, for us, it's always been about the custom bows, the custom shop stuff and the woodworking aspect and just, you know, working with crazy woods and, um, but we wanted, you know, we're big on listening to what our customers are wanting and, and we kept getting requests and, and people saying, you know, can you do an aluminum riser? Is that ever going to happen? Um, you know, it honestly happened because of, uh, ATA. We were, we were there and we talked to Kyle Knoll from new breed, um, who, uh, he's a lot like us in the aspect of he, you know, he creates all his compound bows kind of from scratch as far as his ideas he does his own engineering he does his own design work um so he came to us as a customer and said you know i I grew up shooting traditional bows that's what i love to do and i've always wanted to help design an aluminum riser bow so and we were like well you know with something we've been talking about doing so that's really where it all started and we probably spent i think it was eight eight or nine months on the design i mean we had a ton ton of different looks and styles and 
we even told him we we did it. Said, hey, if this thing doesn't come out exactly how we want, we're just not going to release it. We're not doing this out of necessity. We're doing this because we want to produce something that we truly love. And we were really hard on it. And and, and that's honestly probably why it hasn't really changed much since, since we released it because it was really everything that we wanted it to be. Um, especially in the grip section, that was a big part of it. We w- really wanted um, we wanted to be able to just be almost kind of like a compound style grip, but I've, I'm still always surprised how many trad guys get it in their hands and like, whoa, this is at first like, ah, it's not for me. Then they shoot a little bit and like, okay, I, I can get behind this. Um, but you know, that's just kind of where it all started. And I know when we initially had talks, you know, that was the first thing that came to mind, but you know, like, like you said, you know, you don't want to shoot something that quote unquote doesn't have a soul. I love, I love that thing. <laughs> oh God. But, I got made fun of about that. <laughs> but the crazy part to me is, is if people knew how much time and effort and, you know, you know, time, just soul, I guess you would call it, we put into it, they'd be pretty shocked. Um, obviously when we produce it, it's not like a handcrafted bow, you know, that we do like our custom shop stuff, but you know, we do custom style limbs and, a lot of different stuff on them that uh, customers can dress them up to to be pretty unique. Um, and you, you, what do you guys offer? Just because um, you know, there's some guys that that uh, coming from the compound world, which um, you know, I know well. Like uh, a guy, Elk Song, he's a, a buddy of mine from the Western mm-hmm. Slope. Um, yeah, he uh, he shoots a one of your wood bows and. Uh, a longbow from what I understand. And he, he kills a, a ton of shit and uh super, super yeah. good dude. He loves that thing. And, and I got one of your wood bows and I didn't have much of a chance to shoot it. Um, yeah. The other than in the garage, just screwing around, but that yeah. um, it unbelievable craftsmanship in them. Um, but you, you guys offer, um, well, I guess rather than me hack it up here, what are some of the different things you guys offer as far as, from the RK one all the way down to obviously your custom wood bows. Yeah. So basically where, where our setups start is, is they started at what we call our sport and classic models, which are the, the models that we offer direct, but we also offer to our dealer base. So we have dealers throughout the U S and then overseas. Um, you know, we build a, a dealer base. I think we've been doing dealers for the last six years. Um, but the cool thing about any of our dealer lines or, or what we call our sport and classic bows is that they're based off of all our custom models. So the first one would be the sport and classic one piece longbow. Um, it's a 60 inch longbow. Um, and you know, it's a reflex deflex style. So it's got more of a, a forward handle as well. So when you string it up, it looks more of a, like a triangular shape. Um, and that's really the first bow that my dad designed. I think it's been about 15 years ago where he really said, Hey, this is something a little different. This is more, I guess what you would call his style of design. And, um, it's got more of a pistol grip style, um, handle. So it's, you know, a little bit smaller in your hand, but it doesn't feel small. Um, and, uh, you know, those were the, those are where the one pieces start. And then we go to what's called our sport and classic TDRs, which are takedown recurves. So they're 60 inch recurve, um, and those have a 14 inch riser. Um, so a little bit shorter riser with uh, a little bit longer working limbs at 60 inches. And, uh, you know, those have been popular as well. Um, but the cool part about the sport and classics is you can do custom versions of them. So the custom versions are called the stingers. 
so the one piece you can do and uh well actually i know we're going to get into this in a little bit but we've got some new stuff coming out for 2019 um but uh the stinger custom you know you can, there's different lengths 58 60 um and obviously you can change any of the woods we do anything from you know crazy exotics like i mean my favorite woods probably coca bolo um black white ebony is one of my favorites as well um the cool part thing we do too is we sit down with customers and really help walk you through that process of custom bows. Because I know with you probably going through all these, uh, or talking to different bowyers and and styles, it's probably really hard to figure out what you want and the styles because it, it really becomes endless when you start looking into it. it. It's overwhelming for customers, I can tell you, that are new to the game. And me being, I mean. I've killed a ton of shit, right? But I just started. Mm -hmm. Like I, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, Yeah. I've got the shooting animals part down, but the learn, you know, there's so much to, I mean, just like I, I, if I had to go order a custom bow, even to this day, as horrible as it is, I don't know what half of it means when you have the options Mm -hmm. of veneers and different, you know what I mean? Like overlays Mm -hmm. or whatever. And it's Greek to me to some degree. And so, yeah. I, I want a bow I can hit things with and the beauty thing's secondary. Um, yeah. You know, and occasionally, yeah. obviously, um, like I hate to say this, but one of the kind of jokes at Rocky Mountain is, um, well, it's a pretty bow, which means it shoots horrible. And very rarely <laughs> do you get a pretty bow that shoots good. It seems to me mm-hmm. like you get, you get you get really, really good looking bows that shoot horribly and you get mm-hmm. ugly bows that shoot great. And when you get a good-looking bow that shoots good, you, it's like a good woman. You better marry it because it's probably yeah. going to happen yeah. again. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean with that because, uh, you know, like I said, my dad's had a, a big evolution of, of different designs. And, you know, there's a lot of designs that we, we discontinued, not because we didn't like the design, but we were always like, well, this, this design's a better shooting design, in our opinion. Or if you, you know, you can test it, things. And, um the current lineup that we have to us is, is, is the best of the best of what we've designed over the years. Um, you know, my dad used to make a D style longbow and, a um, you know, a flatter handled longbow, um, one piece. And, you know, we, we kind of moved past all that because these forward handle designs and the, the style that we have is, is really the best of what we build. Um, but something that, that we do to try to help with the custom bow process is, you know, in our catalog, um, we have what's called a, a custom order guide. So it kind of walks you through the steps of, of what, what it takes to kind of put an order together. And instead of looking at the broad picture of, okay, there's all these woods and all these styles, you can really break it down into a couple big categories. And, and you can lean one way right away. Um, you know, it, it really comes down to, do you want something super exotic or do you want something functional? Like you said, um, you can make accents of, of some cooler stuff that looks exotic, but doesn't, uh, I guess doesn't take as much time to try to weed through all the different styles to figure it out. So the custom order guide for us is, is something that helps customers a ton. And, um, you know, we used to offer different core woods and different, um, different limb options, but for us, we really broke it down to, okay, for example, you know, we only offer action bamboo in our cores, which, um, we found was a better core wood. You know, it helps the bow to draw smoother, helps it to, um, you know, tip toss is just a better material. So we've said, you know what, instead of making an upgrade, let's just make it our standard. So all of our bows have that, for example. And then, um, you know, when you jump into 
and the customs, you know, length can be a, a big thing. I know for you, you were really dead set on trying to get a 62 inch in your hands. I know that's one thing that we talked a lot about. Yeah, um, 62 to 64. I'm a weird, you know, same with a compound. Mm-hmm. I like a longer bow. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's, that's, that's great because traditional archery is, is all about comfort to me. It's, it's so important. Um, even if something, even if you tell someone, hey, you're not going to have any issues with that setup, if they mentally think they're going to have issues with it, it's, it's going to affect their psyche. It's going to affect their shootability with that bow. Um, so a lot of times it's, you know, I've been at trade shows before where I've literally done blind tests to someone. A guy said, hey, I really, really want a 60-inch, but I love how this 58 looks, or vice versa. I've actually put, blindfolded a guy before and, and put him like two feet from the target, obviously made sure it's, everything's safe, and had him shoot the two different bows. It's, it's, you know, if you can, he was like, if I can guess it, you know, then I'll go with it. He could not figure out which one was which. So then he just picked, you know, which style he thought he was going to like the most. So, you know, it's tough. It's, 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 it's tough to decipher everything and figure out what, you know, is the best setup. But for us, we've really narrowed it down on our setups. Um, and, uh, you know, like, like what, um, we were going to talk about today is, um, I want to talk about what we're going to do for 2019, which I know we mentioned it a little bit, but, um, if you'd like, I'll, I can go through kind of what we're, what we're thinking we're going to do. Yeah, no, I think it's a good idea because one of the things when people, you know, I get asking questions, the the length of the bow um, is uh, a big thing because it's something I talk about with, okay, uh, you know, your draw length's above 29, you should go with, you know, X length or, or whatever. And one of the things you guys kind of 60 inch bow was your your longest option and you guys have now yeah. 19, you're going to offer something new. So yeah, definitely go ahead, go into that. Yeah. So yeah, like we had talked about, you know, throughout the year, your push was, you know, I, I really want a 62 and, and we've had that a ton from customers. Um, so, you know, we sat down and, and looked at, okay, wh- what are our, set- our setups currently? What are they doing well for customers? Wh- what parts of it, you know, could we do better on? And, we decided for 2019 that um, starting off, like our, our sport and classic TDRs, they're, they're currently available just in a 60-inch bow and a, uh, a recurve or a longbow because our, our limbs are all interchangeable. Um, but for 2019, we're going to do a 16-inch riser and the 14. So the 16 will, will allow the bow to go to 62 inches. So for the first time, we'll actually have a 62-inch wood bow, uh, which we're super excited about. Uh, the cool part too is that it's it's a uh, it's not a stretched height. It's um, it's scaled, so you can switch between a 14 inch riser and a 16 inch riser to make the bow 60 or 62 with the same limbs. So you know, for example, you could buy a 60 inch bow and then just buy a 16 inch riser and make that bow go to 62, and it'll drop about four pounds, four to five roughly. So you can even drop down on poundage or vice versa, jump up in poundage if you want a little bit shorter bow, maybe if you're like in a, a blind or, you know, a tight tree stand spot or something. I know like us in Ohio, that's a, always a, something we're, we're thinking about. Um, cool part too, for the first time, th- those bows have always been 849 is our, was our price point on those, and we're dropping them down to 799 So I'm excited about that because that's the first time we've been able to, to get a price on those a little, uh, you know, down a little bit. So, Super excited oh, and about that. that. That always helps anytime you can drop yeah. price. 
<laughs> speak yeah, from and, experience and with us, the backpacks. You know, they're still handmade. You know, my dad touches every bow still. So, you know, he tillers them and straightens every, every bow that we build. So, you know, um, which is, is definitely something that's really important to us with our QC and, and how we uh, get our bows through. But then also um, on the one-piece bows, we're going to move our sport uh, one-piece longbow up to 60 inches and then move the classic uh, up to 62. So we're also going to be able to offer a 62-inch longbow for the first time. Um, so we're excited about that as well because we've always we've always just had a 60-inch is the max on the, on a one-piece bow. So going up to 62 on those will, will be will be really nice. And those run will be running at 749 price wise. And then um, and then all those riser height changes and everything will all roll over to the custom shop stuff. So um, with the custom version of the Sport and Classic, we'll go to the Stinger. Um, it'll be uh, 60 and 62 and a 16 inch riser and then it'd be 58 and 60 and a 14 inch riser so it'd be the same for the stinger and the fastback so the fastback's the one that we sent you that had the coca bolo and all the black one ebony um that one will jump jump up to a 62 inch bow and then the big thing we're doing is that all the limbs will be interchangeable as far as even the labeling so if you buy a a 60 inch custom fastback it'll say custom on a limb but it'll be engraved on the riser that it's a fastback. So at any point, if you decide to get different limbs, um, you know, it'll fit either handles. It'll even fit the RK1, which is great. Um, in RK1, it, everything will stay the same with the RK1 because we can, that's a 16 inch riser, so we can still do the 62 and 60. Um, and that one we can drop all the way down to 58. So. No, that'll be, that'll be good. And I, I know like on a traveling standpoint, um, mm -hmm. Especially like with the, uh, uh, like the RK one, um, mm -hmm. it is. Uh, I'm without getting beat up by old crusty traditional guys. There is something <laughs> to be said for, um, and I'm not taking anything away from wood bows or your wood line, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. <clears throat> just consistency. It is. It is nice to know when you're pulling your bow apart and putting it back together multiple different times that. Uh, there is something solid about aluminum that you don't worry as much um, <laughs> that yeah. you do. And it's just, again, and, and I've hunted, obviously, this year with a wood bow uh, and, and last mm -hmm. year some. And, and uh, there's nothing wrong. Like, you do see um, occasionally you will see a riser break. It does not happen very often. But I know, you know, mm -hmm. trying to convert people from compound to traditional archery, um, there's a – you know, the overwhelming amount of options, um, you know, yeah. if they're going to go to a full custom or, or order a brand new bow. And then there's mm -hmm. the, the sizing. A lot of people don't understand the sizing and some people's draw lengths will shorten. Some will lengthen going from a compound to uh, a stick bow. Um, yeah. you know, what's correct, what poundage is correct. You, you, I dropped significantly, you know, I shot 85 pounds or more out of yeah. a compound and I shoot, 56 to 58 out of a stick bow so mm -hmm. significant difference and then yeah. you know you also have um the i mean obviously the links and things we're talking about the longbow recurve and then you have kind of the hybrids um mm -hmm. and then one piece three piece two piece you've got all those options and the one thing yeah. the only thing i've found that's i wouldn't say a problem Tra mm -hmm. Well, it is a problem. Traveling with a bow uh, recurve sucks, especially 
if you have a yeah. clicker? Because like for me to get the clicker length right, taking it all apart, putting it back together, uh, you know, you're detaching the clicker from the string, which is a problem yeah. because when you reattach everything, generally it's not correct. I've kind of found a system to do that. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things for people to think about with the RK1. I mean, not to pump the tires up of an aluminum one over a yeah. custom wood one, <laughs> but it does help guys coming from a compound because of the grip because yeah. it is familiar yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. And that's really the the idea behind it and, and why we we spent so much time and effort getting it right the first time is because, um, you know, feel is everything. And, and especially, like I said, for traditional, it's if it doesn't feel right in your hand and you're fighting that grip, you're just not going to get comfortable. And, and when any big moment hits, Yep. Yeah, exactly. You want to, you want to be able to not think about anything but the shot. And, and if you're thinking about any other aspect, it's, it's just a, it's a distraction and you're never going to get the accuracy you really, really want. And, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. hard enough tipping shit over with a stick bow, let alone when it's not repeatable. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of guys will buy their bows obviously off of, you know, recommendations from, from others, just for a simple fact, it's hard to go find, you can go to any compound shop anywhere and shoot some bows, but stick bows are a little bit mm-hmm. harder. Um, yeah. You know, and, and people don't understand either. It's if you get a long draw length or long, uh, let's say 62 or 64 inch bow, and mm-hmm. you're only five, eight, you are going to have stacking, even though it's a long bow because you're only drawing the limbs back and they're not breaking over through the, the draw force curve or whatever you want to call it, you're actually yeah. going to be holding at a bad point if it's built for a 30-inch draw at whatever poundage. You're actually going to have stacking because it's in the middle of the draw force curve where if you're too tall, and I'm probably explaining that horribly, but if you are have a 30-inch draw and you have a bow, not all bows, but most bows, and it's a shorter bow and you're drawing past the sweet spot, you're going to get stacking on that. So you can get stacking on both ends. And it, trying to explain that to people, there is a, mm-hmm. a science behind it where you need to be in that sweet spot or happy medium. Otherwise, you kind of can get stacking or a, a rough draw, um, you know, on either end of the spectrum. And having yeah. the options like you guys have is a huge, you know, help, especially adding – you know, the longer riser, uh, you can get away mm-hmm. with a little bit more, especially for taller guys. Yeah, that's for us. It's that's why we have those. You know, our style has always been the shorter riser heights with the longer working limbs. And I would say I'm a little biased. I grew up shooting longbow. I mean, the first bows my dad ever built were longbows. Um, even before he started building bows, like the first couple bows he ever got me he, um, were little. Um, at that time, they were D-style longbows. And, uh, you know, so I always grew up shooting longbow. I mean, obviously, I shoot pretty much anything and everything now, but I'm still always biased towards a longbow. I just really love how they feel all the way back. They just have that smoothness that I, I'm i so used to. Um, so that's a hard thing, too, is, is if someone has shot either style, sometimes they're a little more, you know, accustomed to a certain limb style. But... At the same time, if someone has never shot traditional at all, they always just hear recurve, recurve. So they assume they, they need to go to a recurve. And that's not always the case. It's really, um, really comes down to what that person 
feels the most comfortable with. But I, I would say the coolest thing about our, our limb setups is that since they are interchangeable, the way that my dad designed them is he designed the longbow limb first and then designed the recurve limb with the longbow in mind. So our recurve has a lot of longbow attributes to it, um, or characteristics, I should say. Um, it really doesn't change till about two-thirds of the way up is where it really changes is in, into that recurve shape. So, you know, it's got that smoother, quieter feel, but still has that recurve snap to it. So, you know, it's kind of, I always call it like a best of both worlds type, type though. Um, so that would be the hardest question I usually get from people is, you know, what limb style. And really at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're really close in comparison. And um, if you're just getting into it, I don't really think there's a, a, a decision that's, you know, way less um, of an advantage than the other one. Uh, it just really comes down to, you know, what some people just say, Hey, I like the look of that one better. That one looks cooler to me, or, you know, I want to, I specifically want it to be the most quiet or I specifically want it to be the fastest possible, you know? Well, and um, I, I, I look at bows and I try to explain this to people. It's kind of like women. There has to be an initial attraction and I don't care yeah. what, what bullshit guys try to feed you. If she's not yeah. hot in your own mind, it's not going to level <laughs> two. Right. It's just not, you're not, yep. <laughs> Oh, I bet she has a exactly. good heart wrong. That doesn't work. Right. She's, there has to be she an initial. Really good personality. <laughs> uh, it's the same yeah. with the bow. If you <laughs> look at the bow um, mm -hmm. and you like the way it looks um, mm -hmm. and you know, let's say you have six different bows laid out in front of a guy, he's probably mm -hmm. going to go back. I mean, unless it just shoots horribly, but if, if uh, all things being relatively equal, meaning obviously length, poundage and all that, the, the look is a huge one. And, and I'm amazed by it even now, because for, you know, for me, the look is eh, whatever, right. I don't, I don't worry too much about it. I worry yeah. about the, the, how quiet it is. And then I get decent mm -hmm. speed. I don't, I'm not a speed freak. So you know, I, yeah. I want to say, you know, 175 to 180 at my draw yeah. length around 10 grains, you know, roughly um, of arrow yeah. weight per pound. Mm -hmm. After that, I mean, minus being a pink bow or something like I, I don't really get too Twitter pated about as long as it looks badass. I yeah. really don't care. Um, yeah. But well, I mean, what speed wise, what is your and, and I know this is super subjective, but roughly yeah. at the tw a 29 inch draw length. What are your bows putting out speed at, at 10 grains per pound? Uh, depends on the on the model, but everything's pretty close in comparison. Um, I think the RK1 probably comes through with the, the most speed because it has the 16-inch riser. Um, and But yeah, at, at 29 inches with 10 grains per pound, depending on, well, as long as your arrow is relative to poundage, I mean, we're definitely in that that 175 to 180 range. I know when we were doing tests with RK1, um, we did a, a, some hooter shooter tests at, uh, at New Breed with Kyle. And yeah, speeds were, you know, it depends on how light you want to get your arrow. If, if some guys want, you know, they want to get the magic 200 feet per second number, you know, really no matter the setup, you have to just drop your arrow weight. But if you want to stay, you know, up in that 10 grains, you're, you're going to be sitting in that 175 to 180. I, to get much higher than that, you have to give up something. So either the riser has to be exponentially longer to get more action out of that, out of those limbs, which is going to give you more stacking. 
um, you know, you, you have to get the best of both worlds. So that's really, I think, what we always um, go for. You know, we're not going to be the fastest bow you've ever shot, but it's it's going to pull in the smoothness, the quietness, um, but also it's going to give you the speed you want. Um, you know, I would say the biggest reactions we get from customers at Shooter Bows is they say, I can't believe how quiet it is, and I can't believe how smooth it draws. Like, I'll have guys, you know, um, we deal with Three Rivers Archery a lot. Um, they're really, really good friends of ours. Obviously, they're um, a good uh, company we work with. They sell a deluxe line of all of our bows. And, you know, I get a lot of customers that call us that will order bows from them, and, and they'll say, I can't, you know, I ordered a 50-pound, but it feels like 45. I didn't expect it to be this smooth. Um, can you guys build me an, another, a custom and a heavier poundage? You know, that's, we have that happen a lot. Um, but I think it's just the combination of that, the limb and, and riser together. Um, and that was really just a combination of, of all those designs before these designs that my dad, you know, worked with and figured out. And a little story about my dad, I guess our background is, you know, he's super creative in almost the way that it, it doesn't make sense sometimes. Like his mind and how he thinks it's so unique. And um, hopefully at some point you'll get to meet him, Aaron. He's, he's a, he is a uh, interesting human and, um, I get to work with them every day, so it's it's great. But, you know, he just thinks about things differently, and I think that's a lot of why this company has, has turned into what it is, is just because he he thinks about things in a different way. He doesn't always measure things initially and just kind of says, okay, what looks cool? You know, he's he'll get paper out and he'll just draw and just come up with these designs and styles, and then he'll make them a reality, and then we test. And then we – it's almost backwards, you know. But – uh yeah, no, and I, Patrick Smith is the same way. Um, mm -hmm. He's a unique, very unique individual, a guy that, you know, founded, started Kafaru. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes in a negative way, he will uh, see that a stitch or something out of the line and, and it might be missing a shoulder strap and he didn't catch that because his brain is, it's on a different level than, he's almost too smart is, is the thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. And, and it, at times... No, I, I totally know what you mean. It's it's one of them where they're, you know, they'll come up with great ideas and then at the same time they may, like, they're almost hurting something more than helping it sometimes until they realize, okay, yeah, maybe that isn't the best idea. But, you know, they just get, I don't know if that's how, how he is, if he's just got a ton of different ideas and always bringing stuff to the table or... Well, he, he like was. You, he's, you, he's chilled out now, mm -hmm. so he doesn't really come and hang out too much but at times i wanted to choke him and i'm sure he wanted to choke me um i have no doubt just because he and he was very stringent on certain aspects you know that, that it would drive him crazy if we put a, a handle on something because he would you know from uh past experiences would be like well this happened when i did that and and it's just not going to happen and i'm like well look you don't buy these packs our customers mm -hmm. do, and this is what our customer wants. So you're going to have to suck it up because <laughs> our customers feed us and they want this. Whether you want it or not, you're going to have to get over that because we, we're going to have to put this on the pack. We had a lot of conversations like that and, and obviously mm -hmm. too, I mean, father-son type of thing. I'm, Patrick's like a father, yeah. so we would have a lot yeah. of the young guy, old guy. I've done this for 40 years, young and shit going on. Mm -hmm. and oh, it's yeah. always funny, you know? <laughs> Yeah, now I, I did a little research. I I didn't realize um, 
So you've been with Kafara since what, 2012 is when you got? Oh yeah. I worked I for free for a while though. And then I think I started yeah. getting paid sometime there in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So how did you ever, it, it's, you just started using the, their packs and that's kind of how you. I, I did a lot of product testing. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, they were right up the road and that was, this was like the last pack I tested and, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thinking of it, let's say as bows, you do a lot of bow testing and yeah. Kafara was a very unique shop. They had a very long lead time and finally, you know, got to meet Patrick and got a couple packs. Um, I think I even bought them at a discount. Um, mm -hmm. they were a bit tight asses and, and very guarded and, uh, got yeah. uh, the packs and went and ran them and I, I ran the small one first and it was you know it's a small pack so it's hard to judge anything off of it and then I ran the big one on a I don't know several day scouting trip and I, it was just so comfortable the the frame and but the mm -hmm. bag I hate to say for me sucked I didn't like the bag so came back yeah. and was like hey um, man this is the most comfortable thing I've ever worn but this bag has got problems and uh of course, this is, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm cutting in his pride too, right? Like he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's just not doing it for me. We got, so I helped him design a new bag, um, which mm -hmm. sold extremely well for us. And then, you know, I worked as, um, you know, I guess what would they call me? Like a, I was like a contractor, like a rep, even though they didn't sell to stores and mm -hmm. I got paid a percentage and I don't know, long story short, you know, fast forward mm -hmm. now I'm the CEO and president and do all the, yeah. not all the. I don't design some of the smaller stuff. We've got a Brainiac upstairs that, in fact, he and I mm -hmm. fight all the time because he's more of the messenger bag, day pack guy, and I'm more of the, mm -hmm. you know, throw it out of a helicopter or pack out moose guy. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, it you know, crazy events, how it happened. But the growth, you know, we've um, – I made some hard decisions in the middle of all this that some of our older customers were not happy with, but – you know, be, I'm very business minded and calculated, even though I can barely, you know, as far as filing paperwork, I'm, I'm about the world's worst at adulting. But as far as growing a company, I made some decisions to cut certain things out of the line and redesign and, and you know, receiving, I don't know, whatever, seven, eight hundred percent increase in growth, um, you know, 100 percent per year almost. It was, it's just insane. Um, you know, it's gone yeah. really well, which is probably how I you know, ended up in the position I'm in now. So, yeah, man, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's really cool to hear because, uh, you know, I'm definitely, you know, can relate a lot to that because, you know, my, my plan was always to not, I actually never fully planned on, on joining my dad and doing the bows. Not because I don't love archery and don't want to do it. I just was always like, you know, I want to try, try to find my own calling and, 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 find what else is out there. I was really obsessed with music. Um, well, I should say before that I played um, college baseball for the first two years of college. And that was my thing. I was like, I'm going to play baseball. I'm going to do whatever it takes to figure that out. And I just played too much of it. I just got burnt out. And at the same time I was playing music. And my dad grew up playing or when I grew up, my dad was playing music. He was in bands and that was like his thing. It was hunting and, and, and playing music. And, uh, I adopted that. My brother did a little bit, um, but I was really the one that started getting the music. So after I was done playing baseball, I was like, all right, I'm going to focus more on the, the music side. So I became obsessed with music. That's what I did. I, 
played crazy amounts of shows, played all over the place, um, wrote music. And that still went on a little bit. And then after and it kind of died down a little bit. And after college was over, I got just got a normal office job. And I kind of had this weird, like, um, it was almost like a, not really a breakdown. I was just like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I'm, I, I always assumed like being in an office or something would be, you know, cumbersome or, you know, enjoyable. And I was just losing my mind. And I was like, I got to figure something out. And the whole time back in my mind, you know, in the summer times and winter times, I would go home and help dad um, with the bows. I would help him you know, just make like veneers or tapers and, and different parts. And uh, I was like, man, there's got to be more to the, to this, this bow business. Cause at the time it was just my dad and he had a, he had a part-time guy. Um, you know, he was just building custom bows per order and, and, you know, had pretty long lead times. And, um, you know, he just, he would, he didn't keep a lot of stuff in stock. And I was like, there's got to be more to this. So we sat down and said, you know, is, is this, business possible to you know change around and, and do some changes to and like you said the first couple of years of doing that it was a lot of i wouldn't say fights but yeah there were definitely arguments about okay where where are we going with this what what can we do with it and you know i've been doing it i think six years full-time now and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made of I, I love it it's very rewarding it's very difficult i'm sure you can relate with that like the, you know trying to juggle everything but man, it, at the end of the day, you, you feel, you feel good. You get to meet the best people. Uh, you get to do the coolest, you know, things, experiences. And same time every day I, I get to do woodworking. I actually really, really love woodworking. Um, I never truly realized how much I loved it until that was what I was doing. Not just, Hey, it's a summer job. I'm just going to do it for fun. Not really for fun or for, for money, you know? And then, you know, just designing bows and, and picking out woods. Like we drive to the different locations and pick hand pick all the wood out. It's so fun to do that. It's just like, you just become obsessed with it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where we're at today. It's just like you said, you know, you just kind of grow things and, and it's really cool to see the progression of how things kind of fall into place. Um, but a big question I had for you was, what really made you decide to, to jump to trad? I know I've, I've listened to some stuff about you talking about it, but did you do it as a kid ever? No, or I've never, the first time you... never, sh never shot one ever. Um, and really? really, I mean, I might've grabbed a guys and flung an arrow through it, but, um, yeah, no, I, it's, it's really not a great story. In fact, Compton traditional just interviewed me for something and, uh, he was laughing because mm -hmm. the story, <laughs> So I, as a compound shooter, have have uh, taken very long shots at animals, like mm -hmm. farther than most people would believe, and had great success. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and I'm very candid about that. I I killed my well, it's debatable whose memory's correct, but uh, roughly 130 yards, I killed a caribou and I pinwheeled it. Um, and uh, <laughs> awesome. so I did a podcast on uh, on ethical shooting distance. And then I, I wrote an article about it as well. Um, and there was a lot of, of um, <clears throat> I don't want to say hatred from um, stick bow guys toward compound guys about they're unethical because they're shooting animals, let's say, at, at 80. You know, and, and take away what I've, yeah. you know, let, rewinding, meaning taking away not the Aaron of today and what I've learned, you know, how much I mm -hmm. like shooting an animal with stick bow. Put me, you know, let's go back four years and... Mm -hmm. I hated trad guys. 
hated them. I mean, it drove me crazy. I'm I'm dotting, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, at softballs to paper plates at 80 yards, and I get trad guys walk up to me on the range telling me how unethical I am and I should never shoot an animal that far and they can't hit the bale at 30. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And again, keep in mind, everyone listening in, this is me of four years ago. So I did this and I broke it down mathematically. Okay. So if I shoot my bow through the chronograph and it's a 550 grain arrow and it's shooting 286 feet per second out of the bow and at 80 yards, I'm shooting 200 and I don't whatever, I can't remember what, 242 feet per second. And I'm shooting inside of a paper plate and my arrow flight is the same as a stick bow guy's at 36. I'm putting out more momentum. Um, what the hell is the difference? Like you have no room mm -hmm. to talk at all. And yeah. it stirred up. I got email after email after this podcast from stick bow guys about, well, you just are a shitty hunter, pick up a stick bow, you'll go home crying, you're not going to have any success. And I'm a very goal-oriented guy, and I'm also yeah. always up for a challenge. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. So in January of 16, texted some buddies, sold all my compounds, grabbed uh, several stick bows and shot, and, um, you know— went on and I killed a bunch of animals and have caused, yeah. you know, good or bad, a stir, um, in the stick poke community. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, a, and I get a lot of people that message me now and apologize for things they've said. And, and, uh, that's what made me pick it up. Now, obviously, um, you know, I shot in 16 and had great success with a traditional bow. And then, uh, I, I wounded a whitetail, um, and it, it, I did not do very well with that. Um, towards the end of the year in 16, I had shot a couple mule deer and a couple bears, elk, a lot of different stuff. I had, you know, whitetails. I had good luck with it. Um, but I wounded a whitetail, and it bugged me. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to the compound. I mean, not only that, I'm uh, honestly, I lose a lot of money shooting a, a stick bow. I mean, flat out, mm -hmm. the industry, yeah. it's changing some, but giving up thousands of dollars in endorsement contracts does suck because you know the co compound stuff pays better but i shot the compound in um 17 and it didn't really do anything for me like no adrenaline rush no you know i just yeah yeah and not not to say i'm i'm that good i mean i just you know i would shoot stuff and i just didn't get that adrenaline rush so i i shot a um good mule deer in alberta uh, opening day um and then that afternoon i filmed my buddy he, he owns a day six gear it's an arrow company brian broderick filmed him mm -hmm. with his longbow uh shoot a deer and i was significantly more excited and you know <laughs> watching him shoot his with his recur his yeah. longbow and he mm -hmm. was like uh, you're going to pick up a stick bow again. I can tell. And he was right. I did. And so now, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to go back. Um, and I'm successful with the, the recurve. I have to do yeah. things a lot differently and yeah. I about die on the side of the mountain trying to kill stuff sometimes. But <laughs> So you, you think that you think you're going to do uh, the traditional side for a while then? I don't think I'll go back to a compound. I don't really have any reason to, and, and believe me, I'm, you know, losing money as I say that, but, um, I just don't get the adrenaline rush or the gratification as I do with a stick bow. Um, 
you know, the, the mule deer hunt this year in, in Colorado, um, you know, and I'm going to have my football coach on later. He's from Oregon and, and he's out here on a mule deer hunt with a gun. Right. And the, the main reason we'll go into that when he's on here, but the drive I have is a hundred percent from that man. And the, the work ethic and everything is from literally a point in my life that changed me was, was him. And really? but there was things that he said to me during football that echo until today. And believe me, I was thinking of him on that mule deer hunt. I think 12 straight days I was living off my back between nine and 14 miles in trying to wow. get a high country mule deer. And I could have shot a lot of deer, but I was trying to shoot an old mature, you know, that was my goal. And mm -hmm. to a point, my hands swelled up from this stupid weed and I had an infection and I was, I pissed blood a couple times from dehydration. We ended up, Frank stayed with me. He was back there the whole time. He killed his deer on like day six or eight. Um, by day 11, we're sharing the backstrap off his deer to try to stay longer. And I missed a buck on day 12. I think it was day 10 of hunting. Um, but 12th day we were back there uh, the one I ended up killing at 13,000 feet in the cliffs, 40 plus degree shot. Wow. And it was at 18 yards. I could see its hoof. It just, those deer have a sixth sense when they're that old blew out to 40. I'm very comfortable at 40 and I shot right underneath it. And I'm like, Frank, I got to go. I got to get to the hospital, man. I was like, let's just get out of here. I got to get my hands taken care of. They're, they were swelling up really bad. Um, mm -hmm. went back, went to the hospital and got some medication. And two days later was nine miles deep and, and shot my deer the next day. Um, wow. now, That's you know, if I had a compound, I would have killed one the first day. I missed 170 inch four by four first day with a stick. Um, yeah. and I, it would have been done. Is that better? You know, I mean, to me five, six years ago. Yeah. That's what I wanted now. You know, even though I'm getting older, I mean, what kind of a story is that for my kid to see yeah. that kind of drive? And I mean, I, it is important for my kid to see much of what my coach Perkins taught me, which is, you know, no matter what, it's what you've got inside of you. It's all about heart and don't giving up. Not to get Donnie Vincent or Brian called the shit out of this, but I mean, motivationally, yeah. <clears throat> my daughter watches this stuff and she can see that no matter what, you can achieve what you're looking at or what's in front of you if you just put your mind to it. I mean, we're just talking about a deer, and, and it's not that, you know, I didn't change the world by any means. But I want her to, to know that, you know what I mean, she's capable of that as well. Yeah. So yeah. minus, obviously, I could have done without peeing blood. But, yeah, it was uh, epic, and I shot a, a big eight-and-a-half-year-old deer. I mean, I shot a crazy deer, and, and it was cool, and I would not have gotten those same the same things out of shooting a compound. So. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Uh, what do you think holds somebody back that's primarily a compound shooter from from, from trying it out? Because I get that question probably, I mean, more than ever, you know. And granted, I don't have as much of the insight because I've just I've always shot a traditional bow. I grew up on it, but you know, I guess my biggest question a lot of times with with um, guys who primarily compound hunt, what's you know, sometimes their biggest, I guess, thing holding them back. Do you think it is that the fact that they have to get a lot closer sometimes or they need to practice a lot more? Oh, yeah. Not I to mean, say they don't, if, not to say they don't practice, but, I mean, just, you know. No, if it was one effort, word, fear is what 
holds them from changing um the fear of failing you know what i mean the fear of work ethic the fear of of not being successful but if um yeah as i say that obviously i've been super successful with it but not yeah. i mean there's some people that just shouldn't shoot a bow in general at an yeah. animal because they suck yeah. i mean i hate to say it that mm-hmm. way but i mean there's mm-hmm. some guys that should not shoot a, a, a traditional bow just for yeah. lack of they may not have the hand coordin- hand-eye coordination they need the um i guess catching features of a compound the peep the draw stops or you know whatever but i yeah. think the the one there there isn't as much of a cool you know you've got all these guys in the industry shooting a compound in the traditional world has not done a great job of policing itself, in my opinion, to bring on newcomers. A lot of these guys are just assholes. Um, and mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy the conversation with them because I'm like, look, you're shooting holes in the bottom of the freaking boat. You want you bitch about your numbers and compound guys suck and you do nothing to invite them in, you know, to come come over the threshold and, and join in on the fun. Um, and and yeah. so – you know, you look at all the cool kids, right? Levi Morgan, Tim Gillingham, Knock On TV. You got all these guys shooting a compound, and it, and that's mm-hmm. part of it. You know, you're you almost looked at as a bastard child for shooting a traditional bow. Obviously, there's a lot of guys trying yeah. to change that. But if you kick mm-hmm. all of that out, if you just want to get to the purity of the sport and the fun of it and the challenge, I, I mean, it, it's a hell of a sales pitch it takes sometimes to get somebody to do it. But if you're goal oriented, you, you're challenge driven. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pros mm-hmm. to stump shooting. You cannot have any more fun with your clothes on than stump shooting. And you can't stump <laughs> shoot with a compound. You you just, yeah. you, you can't do it. And, you know, going out with guys, whether it be rabbit hunting, stump shooting, you know, when you're throughout the course of the day, one of the things I love the most about, a traditional bow when I'm hunting, I can shoot it all kinds of things. Just fling arrows, go get it, fling it again. You can't do that with a compound because you one break or lose the arrows and, and everything else. So, yeah. uh, I mean, and then obviously getting close, there is no better feeling than getting in the wheelhouse of an animal and shooting it sub 20 yards. I shot a mule deer at like three or four feet in its bed. Uh, just things like that is this hard be, to. That's the biggest ahead. story I hear is, is the when people will say like, well, in our area, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, all that, they'll say, I've never been so, so pumped up and uh, my heart getting going crazy over, over a doe, you know, it's the, from, from traditional hunting, you know, that's the big thing I'll get. But around here, a lot of guys will say, you know, I'll go out and I'll, I'll, I'll shoot my big buck with my compound or, or get a buck in general and then say, you know what, now, now I'm going to go, um, trad hunt or doe with, with my trad doe and, that's what we see a lot on here, but I just didn't know around around where you are, obviously, and all the people you know and, and see. You know, I'm sure you get a lot of questions from from people asking, you know, about you shooting a traditional bow or why you chose to do it. But I would say the close encounter stuff is probably there's got to be nothing better than that. Well, I just shot that mule deer in in Alberta. Um, and keep in mind, I mean, because you get, you know, haters or whatever, like, oh, it's guy. I mean, you have to have a guide up there. But we had mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven compound guys up there. Um, no, set seven and then four traditional guys and then five, including myself, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. The only two people that killed deer were me and Levi Morgan. 
Um, <laughs> it's, it's not a gimme, right? And so yeah. the, it, as far as ta- like tactician or, or tactics, um, you know, whatever skill set for stalking, to shoot one up there is a pain. I've been super lucky. I killed a giant in 16 with my recurve. I killed one, la- a good one last year with my compound, killed another one this mm-hmm. year. And as an example, you know, I, over a mile away, we glassed it up. I ended up shooting that thing at 16 yards, roughly, um, wow. in its bed. I mean, is there a better adrenaline rush than that? I mean, you just cannot beat that. And, you know, I got so close. I mean, the night before I was told I got to hunt a day early. So Bo's in the case. I'm putting everything together, Mm -hmm. getting the clicker on. We're in the headlights at 10 o'clock at night. I'm trying to fling arrows. My point on's at 40. So I go from 40 and come in. Uh, I forgot my bow square like a jackass. So I'm kind of like, ah, it looks close, (laughs) whatever. All right. So I'm flinging arrows and I shoot five at 40. I got four in a paper plate, missed the target. And I'm like, well, whatever. All right. Good enough. We're close. Shoot a couple more at 20. Uh, All right. We're we're good. We're as good as it's going to get. But my clicker, it was so cold. I had tape wrapped around it to quiet it down. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, so I told the tape off. Well, you know, next day it's not as cold and I'm literally getting ready where I can spear this buck. And it's a big old deer. And I come over the hill and my wheelhouse is, you know, I'm very candid about this, 32 to 40. That's where I want to shoot animals. Mm-hmm. I am very, very yeah. lethal at that distance. I pulled over the hill and it's at 22 and I'm like, fudge, this is not my yeah. wheelhouse. Um, as horrible as that is, right, I'm not as good at 22 as I am at 40. Um, mm-hmm. at 40, I'm, I'm generally in a softball. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I think I'm going to get closer. Um, because <laughs> the closer I get at this point, the better off I'm going to be. And I don't think this yeah. deer has any idea I'm here, right? You watch their racks. It's, I call it terracing. You, as you're approaching where you think the deer may be, as you're still hunting, you're glassing, not looking for a deer. I'm looking for an antler tip because I want to see the top of their rack before they see me. And everything I do is dictated off the top three inches of that animal's rack. He starts looking around. I know to stop, you know, whatever he's doing. And in this case, when I came over the hill, I saw the top four inches in my main concern, I needed to make sure his main beam was facing away, that he was not looking at me. Once I knew that, I came over slowly and I'm like, okay, this deer is going to die if I don't do anything stupid. Keep your crap together. I'm at, and I'm, I'm guessing this, you know, and I didn't range everything, but roughly 20 to 22 yards. I take four, five, six more steps. And I'm like, at this point, you know, a flea farts, he's going to hear it. I'm like, okay, I've pushed my luck. I'm sub 20. I better shoot it. And it was funny my, when my clicker, it clicked. And uh, it's more of a draw check for me. I don't, it's not a psycho trigger or whatever you call it. I, I just use it mm-hmm. as a draw check. Well, I, I, when it clicked, that deer snapped his head back. And I'm like, oh, I better let this thing go and, and shot. And uh, well, I shot it basically in the back of the heart, bottom of the lungs. And uh, yeah, it was, it was super cool. And I can tell you yeah. now, I mean, that wouldn't have happened with me with a compound. I hunt differently. I'm slower. I'm just, I'm just more methodical with the stick, and, and yeah. it's been awesome. So, you think it's, it has it major hunting, but better as far as, I mean, obviously you have to get closer, but has it made you rethink, I guess, your methods? I guess you did just, just did say that, but, you know, you, so you do go in slower. You try to get. Oh, Jesus, dude. 
and we're talking night and day Jekyll and Hyde shit. Like I never had to worry when you can poke something at a hundred yards, how sneaky do you have to be? Right. Like people be like, aren't you walking fast? I'm like, well, it'll jump up and run out of ways and I'll shoot it. Um, in a negative way. Right. I mean, that's not a good thing where now I'm, I'm like the fattest ninja known to man. Right. Like I literally (laughs) am at a different level with a stick bow in my hand because it changes the game. I know I have got to, I, that deer cannot be alert because I say I'm lethal at 40. I'm only lethal at 40 if the animal doesn't know I'm there because it can get out of the way. So I can't shoot anything that knows I'm there at 40. It's got to be bedded or feeding or not know. And, you know, the other thing is too, is I never thought, oh, I better get closer with a compound where now, even if I have a, a, a semi-decent shot and I know I can get closer or you know, somewhat, you never know. Right. But I mean, you, I've got a good mm-hmm. idea. I can get closer and, and remain undetected. Yeah, man. I, it's night and day. I mean, literally like I'm down to socks in my underwear and she, like South coxing it in willows, like f- mm-hmm. everything's totally different. And, you know, I mean, and I'm a compound guy coming from a compound background, you do use a lot of the technology and the bow as a crutch. Um, and I'll be the first to admit that. I, you know, I have to go on and on about compound traditional stuff. But in 16, when I shot my black bear in Alberta or in, in BC, um, you know, I got to 20 yards. I mean, I was at 40 forever and didn't shoot, got to 20, missed it the first shot. And then it didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on, turned broadside and I killed it. Well, the next year I have a compound, I jump out of the truck into the ditch and shoot it at 97 yards. Okay. Yeah. One of them took 25 seconds. One of them took three hours. Big yeah. difference. Right. And so there's something to be said for that as far as what you're in it for. And, and for me, I'm just doing it for different reasons now. It's super cool to get close. Yeah. And that's, I think, like you said about the fear tactic, you think that's people are just are scared. They're not going to, not going to be able to have success. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if you did a poll, I guarantee, um, most guys are going to say, you know, I won't be as successful and and you may not be at first, but if you put your, in my opinion, anyway, you put your time in and, you know, practice and, and, uh, you know, kind of restructure your hunting style, you can be just as successful with a stick. I mean, I have, I've actually probably shot bigger stuff. We Mm -hmm. were trying to figure it out the other day. A guy asked and, you know, I, I mean, I've shot I know 20, 30 animals now with the stick bow and really yeah. uh, less than two seasons. So you can do it, but I mean, it t- and, and I have a good schedule. I mean, if, you know, if I didn't have a schedule, I'd had that number would be much smaller, but um, you got to capitalize on your opportunities. <laughs> did you see yourself having to practice like a maniac or did you understand the shoot? I guess for you, it's probably since you shot a compound, at least that's what I tell customers a lot is if you're shooting a compound, you're, I tell people you're about 80% of the way there as far as your mentality side of it. Of You understand how a bow works. You, you understand how the cycle feels. When you go to traditional, it, it's all different. But for you, was it pretty fast or did it take you a, a while to like understand your system of what you had to do on the traditional side? Uh, you know what? I had the clums. Um, yeah. Uh, and that, that yeah, is Tom. a – Yeah, that Tom Clum. I mean, this is, like I said, with uh, – uh, that article or that interview with um, I did with Compton's, they that was one of the things they asked me. And th- now I had like Jeff Lander, the guy that owns Primitive Outfitting. He's been a stick bow guy. My buddy Paul, um, 
And then, you know, Brian Broderick, a lot of stick bow guys helping me. But mm-hmm. truly, I catapulted me farther ahead of anyone because I, one, was smart enough to get a coach and listen. Uh, two, yeah. I am so anal retentive. I, I, I am not good when I don't hit what I aim at. And I'm smart mm-hmm. enough to also know to not shoot when I'm shooting poorly. I know from the compound experience, you're not going to shoot yourself out of a slump. Um you know, I'm really meticulous, but I had Tom Clum and his sons at the shop and, and all the people that work there, you know, to help me. I probably drove them crazy. But, you know, I went from, I mean, in less than six months, uh, you know, well, three months to go shoot the turkey and the bears, constantly learning and, and to a point where on a one spot blue face target shooting in the high uh, 270s, occasionally breaking 280 with a hunting bow on an indoor league. And then hitting a 3D league, uh, you know, 20 target 3D league or a 40 target shooting in the 350 to high 370s. And that's not me. I mean, I've got, you know, obviously some some God-given ability, but that, that's Tom Clum. I mean, he's the one that was able to direct me. And much like my football coach, he could see how mm-hmm. I was a person and he was able to kind of construct what I needed around that. Um, from just knowing me, and and that was a huge, you know, portion of it. I mean, that that was everything. I, I owe a lot to those guys. Yeah, that's 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 a big part of it, man. It's <clears throat> I just get a lot of calls from people, you know, that don't always understand it, and you know, I could walk through them a certain amount through the phone, but yeah, YouTube videos and you, yeah, finding a coach and you being so close to Tom's really, really a huge advantage, you know. Um, but also there is the flip side, you know, there's a lot of videos and stuff out there that may teach you a style that isn't right for that person. Like you said, your coach, football coach looked at your style and, and figured out what worked best for you. And that's kind of how traditional is too, is there's a lot of different styles, a lot of different methods. And to me, I always tell customers or, or people getting into it, or even people have shot for a while, you know, you have to go through the different styles and figure out which one really works for you and kind of, take it all as a grain of salt and kind of bring it all together and, and figure out your form. And, and yeah, like you said, you know, you're, you're comfortable at 40 yards uh, where the next, it doesn't mean the next person is going to be there. They have to figure out what, what their effective range is. And then like you said, hunt accordingly, you know, that's super important. I think a lot of people sometimes overlook that because yeah, the, the golden rule always was, yeah, don't really shoot anything up past 30 you know, my dad shot a deer at 40 yards and people are like, you know, I don't know if you should have did that, but a lot uh, of that is just their perceived notion of, well, I can't shoot 40. So why are you doing it? You know, I, I, I call it's all, the, it's all relative practice. I call, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I kind of called the guy out that was like the president CEO and chief of the anti Aaron Snyder bash club, um, in 16, <laughs> um, and what it was is at the end of the season, I wanted to be very candid about this for what people were getting into. And I did what happened with the stick and what would have happened if I had a compound in my hand. Not that I was bashing traditional archery. And I had tons of a-holes hopping on. I can't believe you're promoting Aaron. He's anti-traditional. He's, you know, horrible for the sport. And I'm like, no, I'm just not blowing fairy dust off people's skirts. They need to know if they change, if they swap there's going to be a learning curve. It's going to suck for a while. It'll be fun, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be times where you want to snap the bow in half. And 
you know, I was yep. very upfront about that. And when I posted this podcast, I, I, I said something like, if you're successful with a compound, be prepared your first season uh, to miss and wound with a stick bow. It's just difficult. And that was like an uproar of guys. And I'm like, I just don't see that that's not truthful. I still don't to this day. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, it wasn't a negative thing, I, although people looked at it that way. But then, of course, guys, well, he just shot a deer at 40 yards and I, I had wounded um, something. And they were like, you need to be at like South and Fred and practice more. And I'm like, I can crush both of those guys any day of the week shooting. Like, are you kidding me? And I'm not saying that to – South is one a very good friend of mine. I'm not saying that as a like a bragging thing. I'm just saying mm-hmm. people say dumb shit. And I'm like, no one practices more than me. No one has the yeah. coaching I have. And this isn't, again, a bragging thing. I just have the clums by me. And so watching yeah, all of this, I'm like, if you guys ever wonder why traditional archery is dying, just hop and look in the mirror. That you're why. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. And for us, like that's, you know, when we when we came out with RK1, we did get a little bit of, you know, hesitation or slack from some of I, I guess you would call like the some of the traditional companies say, oh, they're they're going to more production based or you know they're turning into a you know production company, and it can't be further from the truth. You know, um, we did the the RK1 out of out of what we saw as a necessity, and um, you know. Me personally, you know, I shoot an RK1 really well, and I've shot traditional my whole life. It for me, the jump back and forth is great. My brother, on the other hand, he he can't shoot the RK1 good at all. It's just his style just doesn't call for for that grip. He just he doesn't shoot it well. Um, but I've seen, you know, I sh- I shoot better than I ever have with that bow. Um, and the even crazier part is I put a. I put a little stabilizer on the front and I, it's even better. And I get a lot of slack for that sometimes too, because people say, you know, it's traditional. You don't need a stabilizer. But for me, it helped me be able to control my left to rights better. You know, I've always had an issue. I'm, I'm left-handed, but I shoot right-handed. Um, just how I grew up shooting. And that's what I'm most comfortable at. And I'll, I, if I miss a lot of times I'll miss left, I just pull that arm and I, the RK ones helped me that I can get flatter in there. And then I, I actually use a, a stabilizer from uh, Stokerized, which they have this little thing called an RDS. It's not, it doesn't stick out at all. It just has side weights. So I, I off, I off centered a little bit to help me. It just feels way more comfortable, and it's not a big burden too. It's just, you know, it's just on the front, especially when I put a quiver on it. It helps that swivel not happen as much in my hand. And the thing that kills you know. me is why does it matter to other people? Like, if you want to hunt in pink underwear with a slingshot, rub some funk on it get out there what if that makes you happy i i mean obviously there's certain things or or certain products on the market today that i don't feel are should be on the market that's more for compound than than traditional Mm -hmm. but if a guy wants to Mm -hmm. have a stabilizer or a clicker or whatever i mean this is what i say the traditional archery world shoots itself in the foot um yeah is is bashing people doing that it's like hey quit shooting holes in the bottom of the boat we're trying to get people on board with this and you're telling yeah. them they're stupid because they have a stabilizer <sighs> all right it, well it I mean, whatever it still makes it super difficult like until there's a sight on it, it it's still difficult even shooting a you know if you have a sighting system or i've i have customers who have, have put a sight on the rk1 and and tried it 
it's really difficult to do. Even yeah, your with hand, that. your your right or left release hand it is a killer. I mean, yeah, you're, you, you know, you're drawing. There's no draw stop unless you have a clicker. I mean, there's and so much. Even then, it's a variable. To, yeah, yeah, and then there's no peep. So even if you have, if your head's up or down a little, even if you have a sight, um, you don't have a peep. And so you can, you know, height wise, if your head's up or down, you can go high or low from that. And I sometimes I want to take my bow and wrap it around people's heads because some of the things that people say, I'm like, hey you know, let's be a little positive here and try, you know, let's try, try to get people into the sport, not try and kick exactly. them out of it. Like, exactly. Cause it, I don't like that feeling of it being like a, a niche, like, um, you know, exclusive club almost, you would call it like, you know, I would say our biggest thing is, you know, a lot of our grip styles and I think that are, are catered towards a compound style shooter, but also it, it helps the traditional guy too, that, that's really how my dad got into it. The biggest reason he started building bows is he couldn't find the grip that he wanted. And that was part of it. He said he wanted to kill a deer with, with the bow that he built, but he also couldn't find what he wanted to, but well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to build one. And I just started from there. And that's, it still happens today. You know, we're always changing our styles and, but keeping the same family of bows. And really at the end of the day, they cater towards, you know, comfort and, a lot of that comfort comes from, you know, the compound guy that says, you know, I'm used to a, a really small grip. You put a, you put a bigger bow in someone's hand and, and it, just, it just feels, feels different to them, you know? And then it, again, we're back to that mindset thing. Of it just doesn't feel comfortable. Um, but you know, to us, we're, we're all about growing the sport. Um, and we're all about, you know, you don't have to do all or nothing. You don't have to only shoot a traditional bow or only shoot a compound, you know, you can jump in and, even just shoot 3D, the traditional for fun, or, or, you know, do some different hunts that are traditional, or, you know, hunt compound for a little while, then jump to traditional. You know, to us, it's, there's not really any specific rules. It's all about, you know, enjoying the sport, sport for what it is and whatever excitement it brings you, you know? No, definitely. And, and I think that, uh, you know, for me, I'm kind of an all or nothing guy, so I, I'm not capable of going back and forth, but my, I've got a lot of, or at least not right now, but I've got a lot of buddies that'll do that. And I don't think there's anything wrong if you want to hunt black bear and whitetail with a recurve and you go on a stone sheep hunt and you do it with a compound or, I mean, that's the thing, do with whatever makes you, you know, happy and, and whether, you know, longbow, recurve, compound, traditional swap back and forth. And I think that, um, you know, it is important for me that people know kind of how much it has brought in the the love of archery back into me because I was getting so bored mm -hmm. with the compound stuff. It has brought yeah. like a new flame. And, and I try to, you know, re relay that to people to understand if they're in kind of the same. I hate to say slump because I didn't shoot. It wasn't like I was shooting bad. I just wasn't having fun. Yeah. And yeah, you, I have a, you need that new challenge, right? Oh, yeah. And I would have compounds in the box sit in the corner where, you know, rewind 10 years, I would fake being sick at work to go set up my new compound. And then, you know, fast forward, I would get a compound and sit in a box. I wouldn't want to put it together. I mean, that shows you're not as enthused about it where now I, you know, I'm shooting constantly. I love torquing, playing with bows, screwing around with them with, you know, with recurves and longbows. And it just brought mm -hmm. back kind of the fire. Yeah. And that's, there's two sides to that too. So there's the side where you, you can always be tinkering, always be changing your tip weights or your 
shaft sizes or fletchings or, you know, there's so much stuff out there. But at the same time, if you find a setup that you love, you don't really have to change it. You know, my dad still shoots the same arrow setup he's shot for probably the last at least 10 years. Like, And honestly, they're just, I think they're gold tip warriors. They're the, one of the cheapest arrows carbon wise you can buy. Like a lot of tried guys say it's like the loophole arrow, but you know, he just loves them and that's what he's always shot. And he has them all figured out his tip weight, how he wants it. And they're his specific hunting arrows. Um, I'm different. I'm always messing with stuff. And I always ask customers, you know, what's the newest setup you're messing with or, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. And you can you can go to any level. You can you can find an easier setup and go with that, or you can get super advanced and try you know some crazy FOC setups. And that I think is the fun part is you can get as technical as you want, or you can keep it pretty simple. Um, you know, I even have customers that will call, and I'll I basically figure them out a setup before we ship. Um, but some people may say, you know, well, I don't know how you can figure that out, but. You can get you know, close. They just got to cut it down a little bit. <laughs> the arrow, yeah. I mean, that. Yeah, exactly. you get it close and enough to where that arrow will work. You know, we've, out of the amount of trade shows we've done and, and the amount of people we've seen, you know, someone walks up to our booth at a trade show. I basically have five shots to figure out what setup's going to shoot good for them. And then if, if they walk up and shoot a bow initially and it doesn't shoot right, they're going to assume that the bow is not a good performing bow. So there's certain setups that we kind of do as a standard that you can start at and, and tweak. And um, to me, that's helped a lot. A lot of customers to, you know, the the half hour extra I spend with them talking about setup and, and making sure that they know what they're capable of as far as, you know, their poundage and draw length, what, you know, arrow setup's going to work the best. It helps them jump through a lot of those loopholes. And the worst thing that can happen to someone getting in traditional is not being able to figure it out. They'll say, I just can't figure this white shooting weird. And if 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 you're having issues with your bow, you can't really figure out, you know, what you're doing as a shooter because all you're worrying about is why is my bow shooting wrong? If you know your bow set up and shoots good and all you're worrying about is, is where it's going and how it feels, it's exponentially different how fast you can really tighten those groups up and, and get comfortable. So, yeah, no, 100%. And and I that cannot be, I don't think, stressed enough that um, part of the – learning curve or happiness or, or your personal happiness of shooting a bow is going to need to be learning how to, uh, or, or, or getting advice or whatever on, on getting, you know, perfect arrow flight. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen it guys, you know, grab their buddy's recurve and just grab arrows off the shelf and can't hit anything. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, you got to put a little effort into it. I mean, it is a wooden bow, but we're not native Americans and we have a lot of technology now and you need to put that yeah. shit to use or you're never going to hit anything. So, yeah, my rule of thumb with, so say a guy calls me and says, Hey, I shoot a 60, let's just say I shoot a 70 pound compound. My draw is 30 inches. Um, to me that, that already is enough information to me to get them in a range. So if, if you can shoot a 70 pound bow, that usually means you can handle, I would say up to 55 pounds, but I try to a 45 to 55 to me is kind of that sweet spot of, of where most people are comfortable poundage wise. And if you're, if you're drawing a 30 inch draw on a compound, typically you lose, I've seen like an inch to inch and a half, even down to two inches or some people can be, you know, I would say a two inch variable, right? 28 to 30 is where they typically would be. So to me, 
I would recommend them to, you know, maybe be around that 50 pound range. Let's say they go with the 50 pound bow, right? A 50 pound bow. Now you're in a, a spine range where, you know, they're 28 to 30 inches in their draw, depending on the arrow brand, like for example, black Eagle is a, a brand that we use a lot of cause you know, the, the arrows are already crested. They already have feathers on. Um, we typically just leave them closer to the full length, like 31 inches. We'll cut them out. And then, usually about 150 to 200 grain broadheads where they'll, they'll, they'll adjust their tip weight. So the spine will adjust. And depending on the person on that setup, I would probably usually lean them a little bit more towards a 400 spine, but they could probably still get away with shooting a 500 through our setup. They may cut a little more and add a little bit more tip weight, but that at least gets them in the range. And then brace height wise, you know, that's super important. I don't know. Um, if you've seen it, there's a lot of customers who, who don't understand how important brace height is and how getting a low brace height can really affect how poorly a bow can shoot. I, I try so, to explain the brace height like um, when you're a uh, sniper and you're figuring out your your load, right? You're not buying factory ammo. You're uh, reloading and figuring out what powder works best and, and everything else. The brace height to me is that final tweak for perfection. And mm -hmm. some bows, my brace height could be at seven and three eighths. Other bows, it could be seven and seven eighths, eight and a quarter, whatever. But one part of the, the tuning of it, meaning if your arrow's too stiff or too weak, you can tune some of that out with the brace height. But there's other mm -hmm. portions of it where your bow's going to be quieter uh, when it's got the happy brace height, you know, when you figure out where that's yep. at. And I'm amazed. Absolutely. Guy, I'm like super anal with that. And some guys are like, ah, I don't know what the brace height is. And I'm like, you should probably figure that out. Like you may want to adjust yeah. that. Well, it's also correlates with the knock height. If you've got a shorter brace height than usual, and that's going to lower your knock height overall, it's going to make your arrow kick off the shelf. And it's going to make your bow a little louder. It's going to make your arrow fly a little crazier. And, you know, someone may hang their bow up at, you know, like, they'll hang it up at eight inches and you know, it's just a, a known fact that strings sometimes will stretch it just depends on how long they've been, you know, used or what type of material, but you know, say it stretches down to, I've seen people that have called and said, you know, I don't understand why the bow won't shoot. And I'll say, you know, well, what's your brace height at? And they'll say, Oh, what, what's that? And they'll check it. I've had people tell me the brace height was as low as three inches, believe it or not. Yeah, uh, I can't believe it from some of the shit I've seen and, at the archery. Yeah, and you know, I, all I explained to them was that what the brace height should be at and where the knock height should be at. You know, we say closer to seven and a half to eight inches, but probably closer to eight. And then we say five eighths above center, which is a little higher than what most bows do. But how our bows tiller, that's what we found to be the, the best brace or knock height. They'll put it yeah. to that, and, and and pretty much automatically they'll they'll see a drastic change in. And, and, and I shoot three under, so I'm always a minimum mm -hmm. of five eighths. Um, yeah. You know, depending on the bow's tillered, but I mean, I'm usually five eight with an even tillered bow, which is what I generally, you know, ask for. And then I adjust it mm -hmm. off the knock height. I'm at least at five yeah. eighths. And on one of the bows I shot initially, it was, I think it was like a Palmer or something maybe. And it was, uh, mm -hmm. it was like, it was an inch. So something was effed up yeah. with the, the limbs, but I was at an inch <laughs> to, and that's way higher than you yeah. should be. All but, the other ones are five eighths. Yeah. But yeah. Also too, it depends on that. That's where there's a lot of variable too. You know, on a compound you're, you're using a release. So everything's consistent, you know, you're pulling back to a, a set distance. You're shooting off a rest that falls away. 
on a traditional bow, all those are variables. So, you know, you, for example, shoot three under, I shoot split finger for, you know, if I handed you my bow, it would not probably shoot very well for you. You'd have, we'd have to adjust the probably at least the knock height some, and then maybe even raise the brace height some to, to offset it. And we might even have to jump to a different spine. So, you know, those things are, are I guess, sometimes leaps that people have to, to figure out. But, you know, at least for us as a company, I, I do everything in my power to help get that, that first general um, thought process of, hey, this is what your setup could be. Um, because really it's about a range, you know, that you want the air to, to fly, whether you short draw, whether you do get to your full draw, whether you pluck your fingers. Um, did you ever have issues with that at all when you're shooting 300? Did you ever have issues with that third finger dragging at all? I still do. Out? There's a giant, uh, yeah. there's a giant, uh, well, thank God now Tom fixed it, but the bottom of my mm-hmm. third finger, um, had a huge blood blister constantly callous. Now I, it's yeah. not, I, I still hang it, but it's centered. It's not on the bottom of it. So I'm still hanging it mm-hmm. a little or putting more pressure, but yo, know, it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, watch yeah. slow mo videos, cringing like, "Oh God, yep. I thought it was way better than or that." Any, any, any phone that can do slow mo will will tell you a, a ton about what you have going on with your release. Um, yeah, and in a depressing level sometimes because you think you're doing good, and you watch <laughs> that, and you're like, "No, I'm, I guess I'm not." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I actually like to feel 300 better, but I just, I can't get a clean release. I still have never been able to, so. I still shoot split. It's just what I've always, always done. And that's the question I get too is, is if we show someone initially, we almost always show them three under, um, seems to just be the best, best shooting style to start with. That seems to give them the comfort level they need. But you know, the good thing is they can try either or, and it's not, not a big, not a big deal. They just have to go through the different, um, options and, and figure it out. There's a, plethora of information out there on, on how to shoot just which parts you yeah. take you know and which make sure you it's decide to... good good info i will add that because there's the, some that's, horrible that's hard part too is, <laughs> but you, is, is you finding finding good info those guys like from what is it the push they they've got some good mm-hmm. info out there i mean obviously yep. uh i'm super good friends with uh randy cooling and denny uh sturgis and mm-hmm. their their original videos were a bit outdated but they have mm-hmm. a new one that's good um tom you know mm-hmm. clum they've got a video mm-hmm. series and then obviously any mm-hmm. bow manufacturer uh that's been in business is going to have like you know like with you guys you're going to have great info uh yeah. but you know if if a guy and can't I've, hit anything and he doesn't kill shit you probably shouldn't listen to him um yeah you know it's kind of the and, thing right well part of us too is we've we've been making a little bit more youtube videos on the shooting side and some tips and stuff and I think we're going to continue to do a little bit more of that because it is, it is a difficult part of it. And like you said, who you get your information from can be difficult. Um, a person we work with a bunch, um, in the UK is a guy named Grizzly Jim. He's been a really big help to, um, a lot of customers on understanding the different styles because he strictly shoots instinctive. He, he only shoots instinctive and, um, but he's only a target shooter though too, but, you watch some of his videos of shooting and you're just like, holy crap, how did you do that? And that's the hard part too, um, is always explaining the different styles and what style is going to work best for, for a person. And um, like I said, it's all about just taking that as a grain of salt and kind of figuring out, okay, this aspect I really like, this aspect I don't. Like, you know, 
if we were both to shoot at 40 yards, I'm, I'm pretty sure you would annihilate me. But, you know, um, for me, I've always just been more comfortable like 30 in. It's probably, it's probably mainly because of, uh, growing up. That's just target shooting. That's what we always had. And in Ohio, you know, that's just with woods being, you know, tighter shots, you don't see a lot of stuff out super far. So that's really where you've always, always practiced, but I shoot instinctive as well, mainly. And that's kind of what I've always, always been the most comfortable with. Um, but you know, we meet people do any and every style and it's really about just what, what feels comfortable and, and, and what you can have the most success with. No, no, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that, um, that is, uh, something that can't be stressed enough because i get that a lot because i do shoot three under it doesn't matter what i shoot or what you shoot or what you know once you're kind of you know as you're writing the 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 if you go into traditional archery right that you're going to have different chapters of your own personal book after the first couple chapters you're going to know enough to be able to choose you know what's most comfortable for you and that's gear style whatever and you need to do because i had a, everybody around me almost everybody shoots split finger um mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was kind of the, the, you know, stepson shooting three under, but it mm-hmm. didn't matter because I tried split and it just didn't, it was natural for me to shoot three under with kind of eyeballing down the arrow. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, what's most important. Isn't what, you know, some Insta famous dude is doing. It's, it's what is good for you. And then kind of exactly. obviously try to master that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that I think is the part of traditional archery that needs to be stressed the most because there's a lot of people that say, no, you can't do it that way. Well, you can do it however you want, as long as you have efficiency and consistency, you know, if you can't hit the same spot five times in a row, well, you should probably look at what you're doing and, and maybe adjust some things, you know? So, Oh yeah, no, yeah, you do. And a lot of times you have to take a big step back, um, kind of reassess, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. before, before <laughs> you take a step forward again, cause I've seen guys, you know, whether it be the the bow. I mean, one guy in one specific bow, I don't know why he had his head wrapped around. He had to shoot that bow. And it finally got to a point on the range. I'm like, dude, you can't shoot that piece of shit. Sell it. Yeah. I'm like, you, it is not, well, but this, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care who's shooting it. or who, You cannot hit anything with it. Sell it, get a new bow. And it's hard sometimes even like with that. You have to shoot. That bow has to be an extension of your body. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if it's not um, and you're picking up something foreign every time, it's not consistent like you say. Hell, you're. I mean, you've already lost the race before you put your shoes on. I mean, you can't even exactly. start your foundation building upon it because you have no foundations. And, and that's super important. And, yep. And then you have that bad taste in your mouth and you say it's just, you know, like you said, you, you don't actually get to experience it for what it is because, you know, maybe – you don't, you know, you're too stuck on one different thing or one different style or one sort of style. Um, I tell people, you know, try it however you want, you know, try all the different styles and, and, and go through them and, and kind of form your own, your own style of what works, you know. And that's really why with our bows, you know, we have the aluminum rights or we have you know, the one piece bow, there's certain people that say, I just like the look of a one piece bow. And I like the consistency and feeling of just a single piece of, of, you know, of wood, even though there's glass in it. But I I would probably be that route if I didn't have to travel with it. Exactly. (laughs) Dude, I love a one piece bow. 
for me, I just love the takedown. I, I shoot a takedown better. I, there's no question. I like how it feels. Um, for me, our fastback, which is our custom bow, my dad, obviously I'm lucky I'm here. You know, he custom fit me one, which is a cool thing he does. If you're able to ever come to Ohio and come to our shop, we do custom fittings. It's included in the price of the custom bow. And, um, you know, those guys that they'll, you know, fly here or drive a crazy amount of hours to come here and get it done. And, and like you said, it's an, it becomes an extension of their body because it, it was fit for them. Not that a, one of our standard risers, um, won't fit you good, but it's just that next level, you know, they'll put little, like, um, we call them like indicators, like where your index finger comes around. There's a little spot where you can kind of feel it, you know, um, just small stuff like that sometimes can make huge differences for, for certain shooters and other people, it doesn't matter. Other people can just, you know, pick up a certain bow and it, and it feels right. You know, for me, it's, I have my one bow that I won't sell my fastback that pretty much always shoot. And if, if I'm not shooting that riser, I have my one RK one that I always shoot, you know, I switch between them. Um, but at the same time I can pick up any of our bows and shoot them well, but you know, like you said, it's that, one style that really you know sinks to you i guess you know then that fastback is that for me i just i don't know it's it's the grip i love and and uh always go towards yeah no no totally understandable but uh man we're working on an hour and a half here so i should probably get (laughs) off that went by quick i just looked down at the recorder but so yeah Right now, just so people know, um, you know, kind of go over quickly what uh, what you guys are coming out for, coming out with in 2019. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I know we got into a tiny bit, but yeah. So basically, you can find us anywhere. You know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, strikerbows.com, um, which we'll have all the new information released on. Um, the biggest thing for 2019 is um, we're basically coming out with 62 inch bows in the one piece. And in the takedown. So in the one piece bow, it's the classic longbow that will go to a 62 inch. And we're going to change the riser a little bit on that one. Um, and then on the takedowns, it's going to be the sport and classic TDR, which is takedown recurve. Um, they're both uh, available in longbow and recurve. They're interchangeable between both as well. And they will be 60 and 62 inch. Um, if you go with the 62, it will jump to the new 16-inch riser. And existing customers that have a 60-inch bow can get a 16-inch riser, and, and their setup would jump to 62, and they would drop about four, four to five pounds on their on their overall weight. Then also that 16-inch riser will go to the customs, so the the Stinger custom takedown and the fastback. We're, we're going to you know have uh, the 16-inch versions for those. So I'm super excited about it because like we had talked about, you know the biggest thing we've been asking from customers is, is when you're going to come out with a, a 62 inch wood bow. Cause we've always been that a little bit of that smaller or shorter length bow company. I think that really spurs just from my dad's needs in the early years. And like you said, with Kafaro, you know, you're kind of getting into this new stuff of saying, what do our customers need and, and what, what do we see the, the industry needing? And, and for us, it, it was a 62 inch. So we're super excited. I, I can't wait to get it in people's hands. Um, one of my favorite things to do is, is do the design side um it's just so fun to work with my dad and my brother's a part of the business now too he's, he's two years older than me and he's that type of person that can just build anything um so you know we all work together on these designs and and um 
I think what we have coming out, one of the best lineups we've ever had, you know, along with RK1 and everything else. So I, I, I couldn't be more excited to get it in people's hands. And, um, you know, once we, once you get the stuff rolling too, I'll have to get, I'll have to get a 62 in your hand as well and see what you think about it. No, definitely. Especially after shooting the, the 60 inch and see if, you know, I even notice a difference and, you know, kind of go from there. But, but yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. I get a lot of questions. Um, you know, about uh, Stryker, and, and I obviously limited mm-hmm. knowledge just off of what I have in my hand. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I also get – I used to poke fun of uh, Sean Gray. He shoots your bows uh, that he actually yeah. needs to kill something. But he great representative, uh, <laughs> represents the bows well, but uh, that's been brought up to my attention before because uh, I'm like, dude, you need to count coup at some point. You're going to put something on the ground. Uh, super good guy, and, and he promotes the hell out yeah. of your bows. so. Yeah, he does. And the great part is, you know, he just became a customer. You know, he's just one of the guys that talked to me about it. And and ever since, you know, he's just really just one of the guys that just promotes it. You know, we don't we don't give anything, anything specific or, you know, he just really loves the bows and and likes to let people know about it. So, yeah, that's uh, what he that's what he told me. He was like, yeah, no, I, I bought mine. And uh, like, well, cool. I yeah. mean, he's he's a uh, he's a. Uh, uh, a good dude. He's, um, he put trad life on his knuckles and I don't know how many yeah, different man. memes I got for trad life. <laughs> um, like people are like, when are you going to do that? I'm like, I put feathers on my forearm. Leave me alone. That's as good as it's getting. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're getting trad life on the knuckles is next level, but your tat still is really cool, man. I'm, I, uh, I need to step my game up. I know my dad always <laughs> actually Hoover, the old man who works for us. We always try to make bets with him and, and, if he loses the bet, it, it ends in him getting a striker bonus tattoo. And <laughs> he's 72 now, doesn't have any tattoos, and every year we're getting closer and closer to it. So um, maybe this year we'll finally get a, a striker bonus tattoo on, on old man Hoover, which is <laughs> it, that's my 2019 goal is to get him to get a tattoo. Your probably, New Year's if resolution. I bought him a bunch of beer, if I bought him a year's worth of beer, he'd probably do it, but <laughs> I don't know. Though. We'll see about uh, that. But, um, that's funny. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you coming on, and definitely we'll stay in contact. I got quite a bit more hunting to do, but um, yeah, I appreciate yeah. you guys sending those bows out um, earlier in the year, and and uh, uh, you know everything you guys do in the industry as well. Yeah, man. I know. I, I appreciate it, and I also appreciate everything you've done, um, you know, for the trad industry and, and your honesty, and also um, your ability to kind of put these things into perspective. And you know, I, I can't wait to see what else you're going to do. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch, and, and I, I wish you all the success in all your hunts. Thanks, man. Cool, cool. Well, I'll probably see you down at the ATA show one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. Stop in. You'll have to check out the new stuff, and, and, and we'll chat then. All right. Sounds good, man. Take it easy. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.